0: In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy. In this episode, Benji and Igor talk about whether you should focus on recruiting lifers or also consider people you know will stay only a few years and if it's a good idea to hire someone that aspires to run their own business.
1: Hey, just before we jump into things, I wanted to let you know you can get the free resources that we talk about in this episode in the show description. So hit pause right now, go download them, and they'll be waiting in your inbox by the time we finish this episode. Welcome back to Contractor Evolution, everyone. I hope you're doing well, Um, joined by Igor here at the studio. Okay, I'm going to set this up really quick, then we'll dive in. Few days ago, we did our first ever Contractor Evolution Summit. It was a paid event. We had hundreds and hundreds of attendees come. We delivered some exceptional content. We we facilitated um, some some breakout sessions with some of our Breakthrough Academy coaches, specifically on recruiting and hiring. That was the theme of the event. Now, during our Contractor Evolution Summit. Um, which by the way, we're going to do another one of these. If you're a listener of the show, a fan of the show, this was a, the feedback we've had from it was overwhelmingly excellent. Like people loved what they got out of it. Um, ton of fun, huge value add. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for the next one that we do, which should be later on this year. Uh, we'd love to have you there. That's as an aside. Part of the um, event was a Q&A session, and we had so many questions submitted that we literally didn't have time to answer all of them during our summit live. So what we're doing is an overflow Q&A uh, episode on the episodes that we are on the questions rather that we missed that we didn't have time to get to the theme is recruiting and hiring. Uh, We're going to talk about tactics, strategies, paid ads, interviewing all of the above. You ready? Let's do this. Looking forward to it. Okay. So Bruce Burns asked when recruiting, are you always looking for a lifer or are you open to working with someone who you think will only stay a couple years, Um, and then ensuring you have a streamlined process for when they leave. Also, are you open to working with people who are interested in owning their own business, or is that a red flag for you? Yeah, this is a really good
2: question. I just want to open with one important point here. I think that a mix is really important. So absolutely, you're not always looking for a lifer. That's not, you know, it's not realistic to be trying to build an entire squad of people that are going to be there for you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, you need to be realistic with our industry that we operate in. Like, this is not an engineering firm where people sit at their desk for 20 years. Mm. We don't run a high school where the teacher's, you know, working in their classroom for 20 years. Right. It's just due to the nature of it, it's a much more fluid industry when it comes to the workforce, and that's okay. And it's to your point, it's also not as bad as, like it's not like it's a restaurant. Oh, yeah, where yeah. It's a revolving door, so it could be way worse. But, you know... It, yeah, people will leave, and and it's not reasonable to be to be trying to build an entire squad of lifers. So think about it like a sports team. You're gonna have people that are gonna be shorter term players, yep. and you're gonna have some people if you're doing it right that are longer term, and they're gonna balance it out. And the and the people that really keep seniority are the ones that are gonna drive and and have be the root of the culture and pass it on over time with the new people that are coming in. But you, you on the flip side of it, you also don't want to have a team where you're totally stacked with two-year mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not a good thing either. Yeah,
1: like good NBA teams have, I don't know, four to six, maybe seven players who are long-term. Like they're, they're, they're 10 years, five, seven seasons mm-hmm. with the team. And then they have role players that swap in and out that they might even play half a season in some cases. And that's totally fine. They, they get plugged in. I would agree with that. I think it's naive to pursue this too aggressively, to constantly be looking for lifers. But one thing that I would really encourage you to do, no matter what industry you're in, Uh, And what rules you're hiring is get really clear on the minimum lifespan. In other words, like how long do you need to have someone working for you for them to create an an ROI? Um, Like, how long does it take for them to not only offset the expense of hiring them and training them, but then also actually contribute to your business's revenue and profit? That That's pretty simple math. You, you could figure it out based on your your charge rate and how long the training period is and your net profit, gross profit. You could, you could figure out how long you need someone to stick around to make it worth hiring them. I would get clear on that. It's going to be different for different roles. And then I would start to bring that up during your interview process and make sure that you can get some verbal commitment to that. For more serious roles, project managers, office managers, people that are in leadership positions, you probably want a medium to long, like medium term commitment, three to five years. Yeah. And then in the interim, it's your job as the leader to turn them into a lifer. That's that's where you kind of, you know, it's like I'm saying it's naive to sort of constantly in your first interview, be like, hey man, are you going to do this forever? No, that's not fair to ask them. But it would be three years in to say, listen, we've had a good run here. I think there's a great opportunity for you. We're going to develop you into this role and add these skills and pay you more. That is absolutely on the table. And I would encourage you to do that with your higher performers. The other question uh, that was packed in there is like ensuring their exit is streamlined. The way to the thing that makes an exit unstreamlined is if you don't have the next person ready to mm. fill that spot. So if someone is exiting the business abruptly and you have no one there to fill that position. That is extremely disruptive and that's why we say always be recruiting. Recruiting is not a season. It's not something you do in March and April when you're ramping up for a busy part of the year. You are doing it 12 months of the year constantly. Even when you don't need people, you are still recruiting so that you have that next man up mentality. Um, as far as the business owners thing, would that would that be a red flag for me? Personally, no, it wouldn't. Like I, I would be like, cool, you're entrepreneurial, you're systems minded, you are motivated. These are really good things. And if I could only have you for three years before you evolve to the place where you're gonna go and start your own company, I'd be happy. I'd live with that. Those, totally. those years with them on the team are totally worth it.
2: Yeah, this is only a problem if you, as an entrepreneur, don't have a recruitment mentality baked in. Kind of like you said, Benji, if there's like a recruiting season. Mm. Great leaders um, are not distressed by this because they, they, they have a recruiting engine that's that's constantly going, right? So, totally. Super important. Um, and, and you know, j- just to relate, like a very practical example. Like right now, we've got a number of core players you know, on the team, Benji, is, as, as yep. we both know, that the organization is built around. Um, and I've also hired tons of painters, for instance, or window and gutter cleaners for literally five months that have, I've had great ROI on. Yeah, And you've got in between. But you've you got to think of yourself like a sports team manager. You've got to build a team that has a bit of it all. So I think we covered that well. Should we go to the next question? Question number two. Okay. Awesome. This is from Lawrence
1: Neubauer. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. What is Sorry. the percentage of revenue? What is the
2: percentage of revenue that you will use for recruiting? Okay, let me take that one. Um, I, I'll just throw out to start a really good rule of thumb: two to four percent of your annual revenue right. is a good general rule of thumb. However, it really does depend on on a number of factors. So let me just illustrate it this way. Here's the way that I like to think about this. Uh, Think about what are the things that are going to cause a need for recruiting for you in, their, in, in the business. And a lot of people will be like, well, it's like if people leave. Yeah, or right. they'll be like, well, if we need, like, if we've got more work, we need to hire more people. But it's not that simple. There's a number of factors, right? So one is the uh, inherent growth rate of your company within this year and the following year. So just, like, aggregate revenue how much you're growing. A second one though, think about it this way. It's just kind of related to growth is it's the number of people that you're ascending to higher level roles. So if you're developing, you know, a labor into some sort of job site manager or a project manager to a general manager. You need to backfill the spot that they leave open. You need to backfill those spots, right? And people forget about that. So it's not just the aggregate growth of the company, but the aggregate growth creates a need for more people. But if you need to develop people into higher level roles as a result of that you've got a secondary effect, which is the backfilling. So mm-hmm. that's one. Another one, um, a lot of a lot of us employ younger women. You got to plan to cover mat leaves, right. right? They get pregnant now. It's a bit different in Canada and the U.S. and how much time they take off. I think women in Canada customarily take a lot more time off mm-hmm. than they do in the U.S., but you got to plan for that. But what is nice on the flip side of it if they're good people, then you've got well-trained people that are going to come back and you can kind of plan plan those timelines. But if you're, what I find for us with our women that are going on mat leave, it's a really nice, like as we grow, you know, one of them will go on mat leave, we'll backfill the role and we've grown enough like a year later when they come back, we've got a well-trained person. So it's a nice like kind of rotation that seems to work super well. Another one is you know, naturally, it's the age and the stickiness of your workforce. If you've got older people, they might get older and move out of their role. If you don't have a great culture, you're going to have some turnover there. Um, so, there's a number of factors here that that create turnover. Um, but uh, to it, give a to give a range, it's two to four percent.
1: If you're a million dollar a year company, that's twenty thousand bucks. It's, it could be as low as 20,000 yeah, bucks, it could be
2: 40,000 bucks, you know, but to also say like, if you're running, I don't know, off the top of my head, a three and a half million dollar landscaping company, it is not at all unreasonable to, to be spending $100,000 a year on recruiting. Yeah, Absolutely. not in a no
1: willy-nilly fashion, but if you are like aggressively expanding and you have strategic hires that you need to make, I, 100%, those are dollars
2: well spent. Absolutely, you're, you're growing and you're also developing your current people that are taking seniority into higher level roles and you got to not leave them with their whole job at the same time.
1: Yeah. I would just say like, um, my only thought on this, you covered that well. is like, as your business grows, um, to larger and larger sizes, the number of people that churn as an absolute number, not as just a percentage, but as an mm-hmm. absolute number will grow too. So if you're in a business with like 50 employees, that's a really significant number of new hires that you need to make every year simply to sustain your size let alone grow. Totally. So and just, yeah, based on these
2: factors that will cause a need for recruiting at 50 people, just in there, you're going to be hiring 15 people a year just on the regular, yeah. which in many ways is somebody's full-time job actually as a recruiter. Okay, so. question number three, Lauren Pineda.
1: <clears throat> how are you getting enough volume of people to even inquire about a job? How much money are you spending on recruiting ads and where are you putting those? So we kind of addressed the spending part, but let's answer the other parts of this question. Uh, tactics. Uh, so how, how are you getting enough volume to even inquire um, and where are we putting the ads?
2: Igor? Yeah, so driving, uh, driving traffic to... Either the ads or even more ideally as well, like your own website, like a join the team kind of page. Um, the key things that we're doing on the regular. So we're driving paid advertising on the main recruitment platforms. Now it's going to depend on the type of role, like higher level roles might even be stuff like LinkedIn. But you'll have Indeed. There'll be other kind of more local localized ones. But certainly I'm, I'm typically paying top dollar to be ranked pretty high on all of those. 100 um, percent. Social media has a recruiting angle. We've mm-hmm. covered this a number of times with a bunch of breakthrough academy members that do really well in terms of positioning just their social media strategy around having a recruitment side to it. Um, there is a huge potential and I know a number of people who do this who also use social platforms like the paid and boosted functions of Facebook, Instagram, the Google Network. They just know so much about people. If you wanna, if you want to target um, you know, men aged 22 to 32 with specific interests in landscaping and construction. You can do that if you want to hire women with an interest in a sales within a certain range. Right. you can do that. You've just right. you've got you've got such granular um, you've got ability to go so granular with with paid ads. Um, to set up uh, like an ads manager or your in, in your in your digital marketing agency if you use one or whatever towards your recruitment focus mm-hmm. absolutely a smart thing to do um, in the contract revolution summit our guest talked about how he uses, um, networking bonuses and not just like one-time bonuses but recurring ones is also a really good way to drive to drive traffic to so ads
1: so to be clear that is an incentivized referral program where you are paying your current employees for referring totally. their friends their colleagues the people they go to church with, the the people they play ultimate frisbee with whoever yeah. there's uh, basically like a finder's fee that you could pay as a lump sum or in Brett's example if you go and by the way go listen Episode, it's it's up now. Um, uh, he actually has it recurring, so it's like the you refer someone, you are going to get a hundred dollars a month in perpetuity as long as the two of them work. It's a really, really really genius as long as the
2: the referrer is there and the referee is there, there. the referrer is getting. A money, like like money every single month. It's topped up on your page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what you do is is you have people now sharing the job postings all the time. Uh, another one is getting a headhunter in. Um, I noticed in here in our set of questions, we're going to have one coming up, a really good one around the fact that a lot of the great people are already employed. Um, and, uh, and, and that search for people that already have jobs is an entire industry. And also spending money on a general recruiter. Um, and, and having additional firepower, people that are actually focused. Because if you ask yourself, I think for a lot of listeners, there'd be, it'd be pretty rare that you have someone in your organization that's really, really focused on your recruiting engine. No, See? they're doing it. And if they are, they're like doing it off the side off the of their side desk, of the desk, like right? on, which on is top just of their not, full-time role. Which is just not the same thing, right? So um, anyway, when we say 2 to 4%, a business at three and a half million totally spending a hundred grand, you can very quickly start to see between these things that I just listed, how you could effectively spend a hundred grand. It's very reasonable.
1: Okay. So you've just listed off some really good tactical stuff. In other words, ideas to try. I'm just going to round out this, this answer with some mindset stuff. Okay. Which is embrace your desperation. (laughs) Okay. Try some out there shit. Like, don't be afraid to go do a kooky idea, try a tactic. You you even if you don't think it'll work, throw it on. Like, like Brett said on our, on our summit, like throw some spaghetti on the wall, see what works. Recruiting like a lot of things in business, um, operates like a flywheel. So there's a momentum building thing. Getting the first little bit of traction is usually the hardest part. Mm-hmm. But once you start to get that ball rolling, you get your first food, your first few applicants in the door, the rest start to come easier. Um, For heaven's sake, don't just post one ad and then sit and wait and, like, hope that your dream candidate walks through the door. They likely won't. Um... And I'm, I'm really a big proponent of like put your energy into the universe, become extremely intentional. And what will happen is when you start to try those kooky ideas, all of a sudden that job posting that wasn't working a month ago starts to work for you. It's like, yeah. it is like magic. I know that sounds kind of woo woo, kind of out there, kind of new age. I've just seen this work enough times that I believe it emphatically. If recruiting is the biggest problem in your business, you need to act like it. Okay. Question number four what techniques have been the most successful in driving traffic to the work with us page okay so I'm just gonna I need to address that what he means by work with us page uh, this is this question is from Doug Johns so a work with us or a careers page or a join the team page is a dedicated page on your website that you build with the explicit purpose of attracting and hiring people and what it showcases are the open roles that you are hiring for with proper job postings and imagery and then it would in many cases would actually have like a nice sort of culture hype reel type video that expresses why it's so cool to work for this business. We have one on btacademy.com, many, many, many of our members have them and they, they work extremely
2: well. Yeah, so it's, it's your own recruiting real estate. I think that, that's the kind yeah. of important bit is the land that you own. It's like your website that is made not for potential clients, but for potential employees. And it's super important.
1: Right. So you own the dirt, you own the real estate. How do you drive traffic? Um, how do you drive traffic to that page? That's what Doug's wondering. Is, yeah. is what Doug is wondering. And if and by the way, if you want to t- learn more about how to actually build one of those pages in the first place, go listen to the recording of Contractor Evolution Summit. We go super deep on it, but let's just talk about how to drive traffic.
2: Yeah, so th- this is these strategies that I listed before all point back to the Join the Team page, right? So the stuff that you're doing on social media organically is driving to this. The stuff that you're doing in terms of paid and boosted promotion on social media is yep. driving to this. Your team, when they're uh, sending out shareable, that you've got shareable links that you're getting all of your team to push their networks to. hmm all that's pushing there um, and uh, and I was going to say as well like any type of like headhunting any networking like long-term networking strategies are all just getting people to go check out that recruiting page.
1: I really like the highly shareable links thing. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that's extremely effective is getting like little quick links. Built. Brett
2: talked about this yeah. He's Brett got, talks
1: about this so you have yeah. like, a ve- like a very short link that someone can send from their iPhone or from their Android and when the recipient receives the message it's not just like random code like a random url it's a pretty thumbnail that has an image that says like work with us holiday spirit lighting in brett's case or like in your actual messages on your phone so you get a text being like from your from your buddy being like hey i work for this awesome company we're hiring right now it's a really cool image it's pretty low friction i would click on that cool let's check it out so the just to reiterate the highly shareable links thing i think is probably the best tactic for that but like igor said all of those other kind of like yeah Paid strategies will work as well. Okay. And the Qu-
2: highly shareable link is not going to a shitty Craigslist ad. Please no. Yeah.
1: Well, you can still post ads on Craigslist. We encourage that. Yes. But, but you share own your own real estate
2: also. Own your own real estate
1: also. I love it. Kay. Question number five. Um, this is a really good one. So <clears throat> many of the qualified candidates in my city are already employed. How do you market to candidates who may not be actively searching for a job? This is a question from Nevin Martin. Okay, so if you look at like just any sort of economic data like the the unemployment rate like except for really weird times in history usually is like well under 10 percent. yeah so that means that like what the high 90 percentile of people are not on craigslist they're not on indeed looking for stuff they are working correct okay that's a fact yeah they're busy they're out doing stuff They're they're out doing stuff so that's just one thing to like just maybe kind of take a sit back and go like Huh. Okay. Most of the workforce is not looking at these pages whatsoever. What that means is that there is definitely some room to strategically start to pursue people who are not actively looking for a job. Point number 1. I we are not a proponent of poaching. So what I'm not saying to go do is go find people on job sites of your competitors and go up to them and say, Hey, if you work for me next week, I'm going to pay you $2 an hour more. Not a fan of that. It's not good for the employee. 99% of the time, it's really bad for your relationship in your local market. You'll kind of build a reputation as a sleazy business owner. It's just, it's not a good look for you. As I say all the time, but what I am a fan of is what we would call strategic relationship building. So what that means is, if there are people that you, you know, you go to church with, you play sports with, your your you know your kids go to school with with their kids, and you just like you you know them through your local community or network, and you know that they have another job. It could be within construction and trades or the industry that you work in. It they could work for a dentist office. It doesn't matter. But you like them. You're like, this person seems like a good values fit. They're articulate. They're clean cut. Like, they they seem like a good employee. They would be a good employee. It's a really good idea to strategically build relationships with those people. Invite them out for a coffee. Buy them lunch. And let them know how... The, the vision that you have for growth for the future. Hey, we're building something really special here. We've got roles opening up all the time. I know you're working right now. It sounds like you got a great situation. I just want to, you know, put us on your radar um, if something ever changes if you're looking for a growth opportunity we are always looking for, to add amazing people for the team and what you'll notice is that when you get in the habit of doing this you like embrace this recruiter's mindset you start to get phone calls like six months later a year oh. later Somebody like hey you know what <clears throat> i di- didn't think of anything i didn't think anything of it at the time but i've decided that my boss really sucks can we go out for lunch again And you'll just, people will start to come to you. So I'm, you know, again, not a fan of poaching, but definitely a fan of strategic relationship building. Um, For higher level roles, so that, another point there, for the strategic relationship building idea, you can, you should be doing that for most of the roles in your business, from labor to crew leader to senior technician to Mm -hmm. project manager, for like really
2: elite and sorry, roles. Just before you get to the elite roles, I, I just want to use a really practical example. Earlier this week, I met with a guy for co- uh, for coffee, really, really awesome, smart, young guy, uh, like wicked smart, really cool. He's currently in a role. He's like eight months in, good company. He's learning a ton. Um, and I said to him, I was like, look, man, if I'm really putting myself in your shoes, I think that you should be here for like two to three years to really solidify your learning and let's chat after that but i'm you know we're gonna have i have him in my rolodex we'll certainly follow he's up a but he's a contact he's a contact and we just like constantly breeding a ton of these relationships and sometimes people are like man like where'd you find this person all of a sudden it's like wow well, i've been kind of like breeding this working for, on it for a while yeah
1: yeah. So I, I, I love that example and I would encourage people to do that in whatever way they see fit in their own business, in their own market. What I was going to say is for more elite level roles, like I'm going to say, um, if you have like, if you have a strong sales organization with multiple salespeople and you need a sales manager, if you yourself as the owner are trying to step out of your business entirely and you need a general manager, like these are pretty empowered, more senior level positions. They are probably not on Craigslist right now mm-hmm. trolling through ads. They are working. And if you want to, to find someone like that, that is a very specialized skill. And if you want to learn more on it, quick plug, go listen to episode 43 of Contractor Evolution with Asad Zaman. He go, it, literally, that's all he and his firm do. And he explains his entire framework and very insightful on how to um, find elite level people working for other companies and sort of court them. That's the Mm. right word. Court them, date them in a sense, and attract them to your business over time.
2: Um, And it is quite a specialized skill set, right? Like certainly you could do it. Just think about it. Do you have time for this? You could put it so that someone in your office is one, doing it off the side of their desk and they're having to figure it out. Um, But like many other things, like you don't do your own you know, tax advisory work or your own legal work. Um, It is a specialized skill that I think a lot of the times is worth putting with a firm that that is specialized in that.
1: Okay, let's move on. Um, question number from Jamie. six from Jamie Paradise. Let's go with Paradise. That's what it looks like. Jamie Paradise. Are there any companies out there that can do this kind of work, i.e., recruiting, for you?
2: Yeah, this is absolutely a thing. Um, there are people that are specialized in this. There are firms that are specialized in this. And in my experience, it's definitely worthwhile getting a pro on this if you're serious about being like a really strong and good recruiting organization. So, um, you know, at, 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 if you're doing a couple million a year in revenue, uh, yeah, there are people in companies that do this. And eventually what you also very commonly see is that larger organizations have an in-house full-time recruiting and HR function. So that's not uncommon at all. But uh, if you have no one that's really focused on recruiting, certainly the start is a contracted individual or, or, or a company. Um, you're talking about the Ultimate Hiring Funnel series. Yeah. If you look at the first two episodes on that and building an ideal candidate profile and on putting together really great job ads. Our guest was Josie Ann. She's certainly uh, a favorite favorite of ours. If you want to check out her and her firm, uh, Google Crew HR or go to www.crewhr.co. So crewhr.co. So check that out. Cool. Question number seven.
1: At what level or role do you recommend personality testing to find a good fit? For cultures, sometimes the BS meter needs to be finely tuned. And that's from our friend Mike Vander Long-Term Breakthrough Academy member. Awesome guy. That's a great question. Okay, so in a perfect world, you'd be using some form of personality test for every hire. But they, they cost money, so... Budgetary constraints You're probably not Going to be throwing These out to every Single person that Applies and
2: Practical time All that stuff All of it yeah.
1: I know some Some firms do do that I think for the Businesses that You know, we we talk about that maybe doesn't make the most sense. So I would say to be safe, you you wouldn't need to use these for entry-level roles, laborers, helpers, junior technicians, stuff like that. But you do want to do a proper behavioral interview still um, and ensure that they still score high in traits like tenacity, their values aligned. But you probably don't need to do personality tests on them for anyone in any type of leadership role. Um, crew leads, job site managers, site supers, project managers, sales managers, even salespeople, I would say this is a good idea for. Uh, I would be using personality tests to assess their strengths, but more importantly, their weaknesses, as this will give you, as the leader, a pretty good understanding of some of the gaps that they're going to have as they get into the nitty-gritty of their role. Um, One that we really, really like is is called the personality style uh, indicator, or PSI for short, it comes from a company called CRG. So go to crgleader.com, click on assessments, and then find the PSI one. And you, you can buy a couple. They're really, really accessible, not expensive. Um, and, and try this on a few people. I think when you do, you will be very surprised, pleasantly surprised, perhaps almost to a scary degree at how accurate these are. We've done these with our entire team. It produces a multi-page report and it will tell you how these people think, how they do in conflict, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, uh, it'll, It'll talk about like how they are as a teammate, how they are working alone. It's incredibly thorough, but what I would say is that this is not, This is a tool that you look at and you take into consideration. You weigh it against the interviews you've done, their values, their experience level, and other factors. It's not just like a black and white, yes, no, pass, fail type thing. It's something that you would weigh in consideration with other things. Um, So those are my thoughts on personality tests.
2: And and just to say, like, I've used these a ton in interviews. There was like a three-year span running a painting company that was growing super quickly where, you know, I had, I probably made like, 30 to 40 hires on Mm -hmm. divisional managers and uh it was like a multi-step interview process that i led but then i'd also have like a secondary opinion from another interviewer i would have a personality style test as well that they would do and i think it's a good point that you made benji it's like just a part of the overall assessment
1: i'll I'll actually add something too that i i didn't mention like you don't just do these just for the sake of like having more information you do them to create to compare against predetermined yeah. criteria. So yeah. when we, you know, listen to other episodes, we talk about ideal candidate profiles, why you need to have them. Your the reason you do a personality test of some kind is to get that data, get that qualitative and quantitative feedback and say, does this fit the type of role yeah. that I'm trying to hire? Not just like, oh, this is interesting reading, good to know. There is this is used to compare to something that you've kind of premeditated. Important point. Okay, question number eight. Let's close it on this one. Yeah. How do you pull off a successful team barbecue day? When and how do I pull all of my team members together? Should I do this as a lunch? Should I do this as an after work activity? Um, this is a great question. Okay. And I think sorry, just
2: for context, where this is coming from is because Brett on the Contractor Revolution Summit was talking about like from a recruiting perspective, he uses these kind of events to drive this like networking effect within, within his people. He's talking about how many people he's hired because this these are the events with his team where like he does a lot for them to put them on and he's like literally feeding his people on the regular and, uh, and it's And it's in a there. bring
1: a buddy type thing. Yeah, we got him, you know, he calls totally. it hamburger hump day every yeah. second wednesday all summer he cooks for his team they play volleyball and hacky sack and they hang out and, and these shareable and
2: links that that's where he's really driving that every second week well but it's also
1: it's about. also like an actual thing an event that somebody could bring their friend yeah. to to get to know the team and Get a feel for it. It's also just a nice thing to do for your people. But there is like a recruiting and hiring angle to this. So I've done some really successful like versions of these uh, for many, many years. I did crew breakfast. So every second Friday, um, we would go to a nice restaurant. Um we would get to we would actually get to site an hour late. It was super easy. I bought my team breakfast, and they would occasionally bring their friends. Barbecues, uh, you either do at your shop if you have a nice like like maybe a parking lot or a yard you have space to do it. If you don't, go to a park that's central and easy to get to. Do burgers, drinks. Bring some lawn games. People love spike ball. Try not to get anyone injured as a result. Bring a Bluetooth speaker. Um. And I would say, like keep, like, keep these cheap, cheerful, and short. Like, no more than two hours. People have busy lives. And I would say um, there's some people have nerves about this because you might do one and it flops, like only two people come. That's fine. Do, do one with two people the first time, push it harder the next time. This will like a flywheel start to build in a month later. You'd be like, "Yeah, hey, we actually have these really great get togethers that people come to and they have a good time at. Um, and like we've said this on other episodes, like you, the leader need to be the driver of fun. And I would do these any weeknight except for a Friday. People want to get on with their evenings and their weekends and, People drink too much on Friday. So I would do this like on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday evening if I was trying to do a, a team barbecue.
2: Yeah, I'd say like if you're serious about driving culture, these things are a ton of fun and are a real driver of that. Um, two things that I've seen work really well, not just that I've seen, that we've done uh, super successfully. So one idea is to put them on a rhythmical schedule. I'll give you an example but, and put it right in the name, like third Thursday. Everyone knows it's the third Thursday of every month. So you yeah. look at a calendar, whatever that third Thursday is, that's when our team breakfast is, or that's when like the barbecue after work is. And it's always at the same time. It's always on every third Thursday during the summer or whatever. So that, that's one angle. The other angle is you use it to celebrate new people joining the team. I find this funny. Like, this is more in like a corporate environment, but you hear these like leaving parties, like yeah, yeah, Bruce yeah. is leaving Last the team. day parties, yeah. yeah. Like, why don't you celebrate people the day that they're coming in? So another angle is basically you use these things to celebrate new people as they join the team. Um Now, if you're one thing, other thing I'll say again, just from personal experience, if you're doing this on the regular, a really good small investment is to get all the gear and put together a bit of a kit that you just keep at your shop. So if you're doing like barbecues in the park or on a beach or whatever, you've got a kit of like, it's the same stuff. It's like camping chairs, coolers, uh, really good grilling equipment, speakers, like volleyball nets, sports games, whatever. And you kind of systemize this equipment list into and a really simple kind of preparation SOP so that you can also hand it off to someone else in your company to help organize it where they have two trucks, they load everything in, one guy's going to go on to get food, the other guy's to the liquor store, and there's just an SOP.
1: It like sits on the shelf, it's ready to go anytime so that in the depths of your busy season, yeah. it's every not third this Thursday, b- it, it takes two no bandwidth, two grab the thing, boom, go. go to the park, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Exactly. And I'll just say, I know Brett talked about like the, how much he enjoys, how much his people enjoy that he's cooking for them and he's passing them food and there's such a nice feel to it. I've seen that a ton. I've done that a lot. The other thing, If you have, especially if you have a larger team, if you end up, you're kind of feeling, man, I'm like so busy cooking and managing food and everything, um, which I've run into, and you want to spend more time connecting with your people on a deeper level, consider something like, like I've done like scheduled barbecue delivery when someone else barbecues and they just drop it off. People like Uber Eats. (laughs) Yeah, pretty convenient too, but ideally you've got some sort of fun barbecue feel to it. So anyway, either put it on a rhythmical schedule or use it to celebrate new incoming people, but get a kit together and a simple SOP. These things are a ton of fun, especially when it's not a huge amount of work to put on. Okay, that's it, guys. Eight questions, eight answers.
1: Hope that helped. Um, We will see you next week. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.